Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week on the Mike Wise Show, we welcome one of the great reporters in sports journalism. If you're a football fan, he's a household name, but he's also a huge basketball fan and he's standing by. But first, Darlene, you know what to do. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thank you, Darlene. This week's guest is Adam Schefter of ESPN, uh, the top NFL reporter in the country, uh, in the world. It would take 15 minutes uh, just to read my friend's resume. So here are the highlights. Schefter graduated from the University of Michigan and Northwestern, covered the NFL as the insider for ESPN since 2009, I think. And prior to that, he was with the NFL Network and the Denver Post. He owns Twitter with 8.4 million followers. And he's, and he's also a huge basketball fan. Welcome, Adam. I, I haven't talked to you in a while. It's good to see your face. Thank you for the kind words, Mike. Appreciate it. You didn't mention zero Emmy nominations, <laughs> uh, zero awards, zero anything. So, yes, uh, I've been able to uh, do certain things, but I've been a complete failure in other areas, Mike. Oh, stop. He's been uh, – Adam Schefter is being very modest because he's been doing a podcast two years longer than I have, the Adam Schefter podcast. Where can – we can get that on iTunes or anywhere, can't we? Yep, Spotify, ESPN, whatever it may be. Yep, I appreciate you mentioning that. Thank you, Mike. Do you enjoy that uh, as, my, as much as I've enjoyed this? And it's obviously not the bread and butter of our salaries, but, but nonetheless, you know, when you're – when you're up for like hits and spots, and in my cases for many years, 700 words in a column, you, to have a conversation with somebody, to actually uh, get that time to flesh them out and them get to know you a little bit, I don't know. It's always been, for me, it's just been a lot more rewarding and gratifying. You know, it's very funny you say that because having spent 16 years in the newspaper business, I was so used to transcribing tape. And when Renifel hired me in 2004, and I was fulfilling my last assignment for the Denver Post. And I was in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, getting ready to cover John Elway being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Somebody from NFL Network didn't show up for the interview with Barry Sanders. So they called me and they said, we know you don't start till next week. We know you're not on the books. Would you mind coming down here to fill in to interview Barry Sanders? And I said, yeah, sure. Happy to do it. So I drove down, sat down with Barry Sanders for 20 minutes, face to face, great conversation, enjoyed it, got up. And I said, Where's the audio for this? Does somebody want to give it to me to transcribe? They said, no, no, no. You don't have to transcribe anything. We'll handle it all. I'm like, wait, wait. I don't do any of that? And they said, no. I already love this job. And as a newspaper man, you probably can understand uh, that. Oh, it's <laughs> tremendous. When I, like, yeah, in, in my brief interludes as a, as a talking head on television, man, the, the, the most frustrating thing is you're just waiting for the lights and everything to be right. Other than that, you know, it's sort of like in and out and it's into the ether. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's the great. Distance, the bane of my existence in newspapers was transcribing tape. And I, I would get carpal tunnel from from doing it. It was just, oh. it was unbelievable um, how 
brutal. So, you know, Bruce Bernstein gets to transcribe for you now, right? Like <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. He, uh, uh, yeah. But, you know, but, but back to the podcast thing. Yeah. I'll tell you else that's interesting. I've done it for about four years and I've always done the podcast and really enjoyed the podcast. And about two months ago, for the very first time, all of a sudden I was having Najee Harris, the former Alabama running back on mm. and dialed into the Zoom session. And, and I, it's going to sound weird, but I'm telling you the truth. And it was the first time in almost four years that I was able to see the guest. Mm. Okay. It was always done. Like you're listening, like it was a radio interview and we were face to face and the conversation was infinitely better. And it was almost like, I, I see these videos for lack of a better analogy of like a deaf child hearing sound for the first time. And you see their eyes light up and like, they can't believe what they, you know, what it's like to finally have hearing. And this was like the first time I could see my guest and communicate. And the conversation elevated from there. And, and, and I've done the podcast two, three months since Najee Harris. And the difference in being able to see your podcast guest and communicate with your podcast guest is, uh, is huge. It's a, it's a conversation. It's not a, you're right. It's not a radio interview and the inflection that you, the people, you, you see their faces, you, 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 see how they answer questions. You're right. It's completely different. This is a dumb question, but has anybody ever cried on your podcast? Uh, I, I've gotten emotional a couple of different times. Yeah, uh, I have I too. Remember, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I remember, um, I'm trying to think who it was. I, I don't remember exactly, but uh, I remember a few times being choked up about something or other. Uh, so memorable that I don't remember it, I guess. But. No, but I, I think like like you wouldn't do that in a conversation with somebody we're having on television or radio, like, but you you can do it in that in that in that environment more. Or you could yeah. you get something more and it, it allows you to think and feel more than what we're used to. The bit, you know, the sound bites, the, Absolutely. the, the instant the instant hits. Absolutely. And, I don't remember feeling that way. I just don't remember who it was with, and I apologize about no, no, no worries. Um, okay, so before we get to hoops and Ray, let's flash back to your youth just a little bit. You were born and raised on Long Island. So did you root for the Knicks as a kid? Oh, yeah. Not only did I root for the Knicks, but I would listen to the games in my pillow. I'd listen, under the pillow, I'd listen to Marv Albert after my <laughs> put me to bed. You know, it's bedtime at 930, and I'd be listening to the Knicks games, Bill Cartwright, Larry Demick. Uh, Ray Williams. I could give you all the names of the past that I watched. Yeah. Michael Ray Richardson, who was unbelievable. Bernard King, I loved growing up. He had the two back-to-back. -back, I think it was like fifty-point games. Uh, those are those are the names of my childhood uh, that I loved paying attention to the Knicks. I grew up a huge Knicks fan. I grew up a huge Islanders fan. I rooted for the Jets growing up, and you know now people say, "Who do you root for?" You you, you don't root for anybody. Truly, you root for people people together. totally when you right? when you start covering the get when you start covering the games your 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 allegiances kind of go out even though you feel a flashback every now and then but the but but the people that you really like whether it's a coach or a player or like, like like you've you want them to do well absolutely that's that that's who you root for i, yeah. I root for them and i root for my fancy teams right there you go <laughs> Who was the first player you ever cared about, really cared about as a kid? Hmm. I mean, I, 
I, I can't tell you the first one. I can tell you I, I loved Bernard King and Michael Ray Richardson. I loved Brian Trottier for the New York Islanders back in the day. I loved uh, Reggie Jackson, Ron Gidry, Thurman Munson for the Yankees. Mm. Uh, the, the Jets didn't have it. Like, I loved Wesley Walker as a kid growing yes. up. He, he was he was my favorite player as a wide receiver. So I, I can't tell you which one was first. I remember, you know, when I was first getting into sports, Joe Namath was finishing up. Um, I remember going to Shea Stadium. And it, if we looked it up, they were playing the Saints, I believe. And it was on my – it was the Cowboys on my birthday. Yeah. Uh, I had to be 10, 11, 12 years old. And I was so cold. And I thought, boy, this is not enjoyable coming to the game like this. Um, so I, I just remember all those things. I was a huge sports fan, huge sports yeah. fan. Girl. And Go ahead. I cut you off. There, and, and those are some of the names and, and teams yeah. that. So you, I mean, you obviously graduated from Michigan and I believe you were there right when, um, when they won their first national championship, the only national championship when uh, Steve Fisher replaced Bill Frieder. Um, and I mean, those were great days in Ann Arbor and you were, I guess you were at the games. Uh, well, Mike, you just touched on something. Let me say this. That was my senior year. Wow. Okay. So if if you could pick anything to happen, I mean, that would be near the top of the list in your college experience for your <laughs> basketball team to win the national championship in your senior year. You, they, they won. <laughs> I don't remember where they played in the first round, but I remember they played like – uh, Southern Alabama or Alabama Birmingham out there had a, a guard combination by the name of peanut butter and jelly. Michigan beat them. But the second round, they played in Lexington, Kentucky. And my friends and I drove down there. They played North Carolina on Thursday night and they played Virginia on Saturday. And they were underdogs both times and they blew out both teams oh. to, to advance to the Final Four. In Seattle, my friends and I went down. It shows you how much times have changed. Went down to the Michigan ticket office, got in line, bought enough tickets that we sold some tickets to finance the trip. Um, scalped. Scalped. We scalped tickets to pay for the trip. Flew out to Seattle. They played Illinois in the first game. Illinois had Kendall Gill, Loy Vaughn. Uh, no, uh, Kendall Gill. They had um, Marcus Liberty. Yeah, all uh, Hamilton. They were unbelievable, and there were thirty-two lead changes in that game. Thirty-two lead changes, oh. blown out Michigan, and Michigan came back and won that night. My friends and I was still one of the greatest, most fun nights I've ever had in my life. Going out to this bar in Seattle, downtown Seattle, Tulaki Pocky. We talk about it all the time. Mexican restaurant, and then Monday night they beat Seton Hall for the national championship with Ramil Robinson uh, sinking the free throws, and so. Uh, Literally two, three weeks before you graduate, your team wins the national championship. You're in Lexington with them. You're in Seattle with them. It's a dream. It's, 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 a, it's a dream. It's a when, dream. Have you ever in the green room, because the greatest thing about the few years I was at ESPN was everybody in there, anybody and everybody is in the green room. Have you ever had the conversation with PJ Carlissimo? And does he always say that <laughs> Ramil Robinson was not fouled? And that it was it was a bullshit yeah, you know call. You say that. You know what's funny? I, I got you know I had the pleasure of working with PJ, uh, and, and obviously that's yeah. right. You were sideline reporting. Well, but yeah, but I've worked with him. 
I, you know, I, I never even thought of that. I never brought it up to him. I, I just, I forgot that. Like, it, it just doesn't really register. Like, he oh, was you the, have to. Yeah, he was, you know. I mean, what? I think it would just be, it would just be enormous. It would just wound him so badly. You know, next time I see him, <laughs> I will, I will raise that. Maybe I did one. I don't remember because I'm not that yeah. kind of. You know, when your school beats someone else's, hey, we beat your school, your school stink. Like, I'm not one of those guys. Right. It's just, right. I, I find that to be ridiculous. And so, but I would be curious to know, you know, his thoughts on that night, what he remembers. I would ask him just in a very calm, diplomatic way. Uh, <laughs> right. Because, uh, you know, if you ask my college roommates, um, to this day, you know, we've all gone on, gotten married and had children and families and, and moved along in our careers. But I, I would tell you that everybody that was there that weekend, um, there's nobody that's ever had more fun than, oh, gosh. than, than those two weekends. Nobody. Yeah. Ever. Oh, that's great. That, no, I love I love that. That's um, so obviously you're a big fan. You're um, you have a son that goes there now um, that's going to graduate. And the you're a big fan of the program, I imagine, under Jawan Howard. You surprised that he's become such a, a, a successful and uh, really, I don't know, sought after coach in many ways already. In the small circles of life, Mike, again, uh, he takes over there. And to show you how long we've done this for, uh, when I was going to graduate school at Northwestern for one year, uh, I worked on the side moonlighting for the Chicago Tribune. They would send me out and cover all the assignments that nobody else would want to cover. Oh. And so I covered a Chicago basketball prep playoff game with Chicago Vocational School, which happened to be Juwan Howard's high school. And I went back and looked at my game story, which quoted Juwan Howard extensively about oh. his and when he got hired, I found the story and had all these quotes about all these people, names, you know, that, that rang a bell to me. And I forwarded it to him. And he, he like, he, you know, I don't know whether he was just saying it or what, but obviously you read a story of your high school days with the quotes that you haven't seen in 20, 30 years. That's kind of cool, right? So no, uh, I covered I, him as a high school basketball player. High, I covered him as a high school basketball player. That, that, that shows you how long we've done this. Uh, I think it's a great... I think it's a great 360 degree thing. You know, you end up, uh, you end up b very successful in, uh, in your respective professions. And here were you, here were you trying to do anything you could to get a byline at yeah. that time and try to, and all of a sudden you're, you're, at, you're covering one of the, you know, shoot, if he's not in the hall of fame, he's got to be close. Um, I get, you know, I was thinking that we're going to break some news on this program. And I've thought of all the re stories you've broken and all the things you know about basketball. Could it be safely said that, that Adrian Wojnarowski, my friend has ridden on your coattails and that you're 90, the Woj bombs are 90% of your work. Is that accurate to say? What do you mean? The Woj bombs are 90% of my work. What does that mean? That means that you fed him all the stories. You were ah. the guy who gave them his stories yeah, and everything, and that he he hasn't really he hasn't really earned his own stripes. Yeah, um, I, I don't I don't think that um, he would be happy with people knowing that. But yes, that's true. I've, I I have I have been responsible for at least ninety percent of the material that he's generated. I moonlight on the side, and I take all the uh, atom bombs that I could find and turn them into woge bombs. <laughs> That's Adam Bomb's he, actually better. <laughs> Adam Bomb's is better than Woj Bomb's, right? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And so if you get an Adam Bomb, you know, look, <laughs> I, 
this, Mike. There's enough news in football. I don't need to yeah. do that. So I, so I try to share it with Woj and boost his profile and make sure that he's taken care of. Like, you know, that, that that's the deal, basically, right? Like, yeah. His contract's coming. His contract's coming up. My contract's coming up. I want to make sure that he's in good standing. You know, when <laughs> he expires, he's taking care. Of I've tried to. I've tried to funnel as much basketball information and NBA troops as I could to him. <laughs> I what I seriously what I do uh, enjoy about your and his coverage for that matter is, you know, in a world in which. Advocacy and journalism is so big, and I think strategic advocacy, in some ways, is uh, responsible and good for us. But, but where we all have a take now, and it's all about not even breaking news, breaking perspective. Um, you've 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 been tried and true to the gumshoe reporter religion, and I, I appreciate that because I I think probably you want to get much more uh, vocal about some of the things you report, but you also have managed to, uh, you've also managed to to keep a professional distance away from any anything that could really get you in hot water. And yet you've never lost any credibility. I, I think it's amazing. Well, I appreciate you saying thank you. You know, what's interesting is uh, being that gumshoe reporter that you refer to um, and just getting information that allows you to deliver takes that are informed. And so I noticed it before the draft this year where I'm talking to front offices or coaches and hear, they're telling me certain things and I hear other people just going off on rants about certain. And I'm like, no, that's wrong. That's not right. That's not how they feel. That's not what they will do. That's not what they believe. And I can't believe how much noise, incorrect, inaccurate noise there is out there. So what Woj and I try to do, we, we report on factual information. And so when you're in a discussion, you're bringing factual knowledge or attempted factual knowledge to the table. And so uh, that that's sort of how it works out. Um, you've reported, you've, you've actually, you, your um, analysis if, uh, and your is all based on reporting. It's, it's all based on me. It's all based on talking to as many people as you can on those different sides of whatever team issue, contract dispute, controversy, and then you bring to and then you bring it to the table. I I think it's just I know it's to us because we're classically trained journalists in a lot of ways. I still think it's a lost art. Really? Well, that's well. Why would it be a lost art? Is it because people are? They, you know, it's probably just easier. It's easier to just have a take, an opinion. Rather yeah. than to build a relationship, to fact check, to double check, to make sure something's right, like that. That I, I I don't know why that is, but or maybe people have seen how having a take can work for other people and the success it's brought them, and so there are more people out there, um, a lot more people with takes that are successful than there are reporters who are successful. Uh, it's a higher profile job, but I'm just telling you, like I said, I feel like we try to have informed takes as opposed to some of the inaccurate analysis yeah. that exists. You watch it and you just see that it's just amazing to me. And then it, it makes me wonder all the time about analysis in any profession. Like, how do I know <laughs> what I'm hearing is right? Yeah. When, when yeah whether it, it's entertainment, you're right. Whether right, it's, right. Whether it's, yeah. I, I, I know my industry. I know the way football works. And so I, I hear it. I, I, I see... You know, who knows what they're talking about? Who 
isn't as informed as other people, uh, who's knowledgeable, who puts in work, who doesn't put in work. And, and you can see how much noise is right and how much noise is wrong. And it just makes you wonder about how that exists in other lines of work. Mm. Um, I, I agree. Um, let's go, let's go to some NBA. Do you have a favorite team now? Do you, do you really root for anyone? My, absolutely, my my fantasy team in the NBA, like that. NBA Are you a good f- fantasy GM? I, I I am. Um, I would say in some respects I am a very good GM, and in other respects, what makes <laughs> me a GM also hurts me. Like I don't have a lot of patience, and so this year. Uh, I cut Robert Covington when he was struggling and he went oh. on to great things. I, I, I cut a bunch of people before they peaked. And so I was impatient, but then I also made other moves to bring in other players um, that were strong. So uh, it's a strength and a weakness, you know, I, but how many, I was, leg, how many, how many fantasy leagues are you in? If I could ask. I'm in one, I'm in one fantasy basketball league. Oh. And, um, and I will tell you this, I can tell you this for a fact. There's nobody, nobody that cares about their fancy basketball team any more than I do. Nobody. I live it, eat it, and breathe it. Like I'm obsessed with it. It means it means nothing and it means everything. <laughs> I think that's the, the, the only person who cares either, close to as much is probably your wife, who probably thinks you spend too much time with it. Care less. She could care less. She wouldn't know a single player on my fantasy basketball. But she goes, "Oh, oh, you're playing your your basketball game, huh? Yep. I and it's it's not every now and then. It's every night. Like that's <laughs> who do you who's I, I want I want the I want the Shefty roster. What who have you acquired and who like who is who was playing well for you? Well, I had uh, this past year. Luca was my first round pick. Oh, God uh, bless you. You know, you know, I got to tell you something. He wasn't great during the regular season. He was really? good. With the numbers? Well, I get you're right. He didn't have – people thought he was on an MVP quest right off the bat, and he wasn't. No, no. And and, and he had tons of turnovers, and he had yeah. tons of free th- tons of uh, missed free throws. And so yeah. he he hurt you. You know, with, it's a nine-category league. He he killed me in free throws. He killed me in turnovers. Mm. So he cost me two turnovers, so now he had to make it back up, which, again, he, he's an unbelievable player. Unbelievable. I love the guy. But – he, he, was, he did not have a great fantasy season. No, that's the number one pick. No, certainly no, not. No. Um, who I else? In, my second pick was Vucevic. Okay. My, my third pick was Fred Van Fleet, who the Raptors, I don't know what they were doing with their roster the whole time. Right. Uh, my, my fourth pick was Michael Porter, who, who came on strong. My fifth pick was uh, Robert Covington, who I took ahead of Jalen Brown. That was the pick that I most regretted uh, in the end. Yeah. Uh, I again, I I picked up Karis Levert off waivers when somebody got rid of him. Okay, he, he turned out to be great. Um, I you had, couldn't have seen the Jalen Brown injury coming. I had uh, I had Robert Williams, the Time Lord, until he got hurt. I had Mitchell Robinson until he got hurt. Yeah. Um, I, I I had a pretty good team. <laughs> I had a, I actually had a very good team, and the timing and the injury situation just didn't work out. Are you having spent all that time in Denver? You have any soft spot in your heart for the Nuggets? Yo, I, I like to see them do well. In fact, I uh, love Yo. I love Jokic. Oh, he's unbelievable. He's 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 gifted and skilled. And I got to tell you that if Jamal Murray hadn't hurt his knee, I believe that uh, they might have had a, a legitimate chance to win the NBA title. I agree. 
I agree. Um, I right now I think it's going to come down to Phoenix, and if if the Nets get by Milwaukee, and I don't know if Harden's going to be hurt or not. I just think it's going to be the Nets and Phoenix, and I think Phoenix could have a shot. I really do. I think they're that talented. Uh, Utah's a tough team. Utah's a tough team. You think will Phoenix get through Utah? Assuming Utah can beat the Clippers, I, uh, I don't. I, I just feel like I, I think Devin Booker is almost as is more unguardable now than Donovan Mitchell in some ways. But I don't. You know, I think it'll be a good series. I just, man, something about that Phoenix team. I, it, I just you know, like them. We talking about people. I'm rooting for Chris Paul. Like that. That's. Oh that's, yeah. That's that's my that's my basketball friend. Yeah. He, he about about I don't know six seven years ago eight years ago he reached out to me. He wanted help with his fancy football draft. Uh, I, tried, I, tried, I tried to help him uh uh him and his brother um you get those calls a lot you know who calls me more than any on an, on an almost daily basis yes go mike trout oh that's outstanding he calls you on a daily basis to ask you what what wait, what he should we, we never we've never spoken on the phone just I, email I, Hunt, no text, hundreds of texts, hundreds of texts from Mike Trout at all hours. So, at any point, if he was ever deposed in a suit against how he basically rigged his own fantasy league, your calls, your texts would be in that suit. He, he is, he thinks about his fantasy football team the way I think about my fantasy basketball team. <laughs> That's good. Well, it hasn't hurt him professionally, so I yeah, I, I, I want to tell him, like, like, you know, don't you have some, you know, some rehabbing to do right now? Don't you want to get <laughs> line up? You know, shouldn't you be concentrating on being the great player? Come on, Mike, let's get with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh loves, man, that's great. He loves his Eagles. He loves to gossip about his Eagles, and he loves his fancy football team. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I'm gonna uh, if we could do a quick two minute um, uh, lightning round. I'll, I'll get you can say a word, a sentence, whatever you think about these things, and they'll 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 move around a little bit. One, I I was on the before a lot of people, and I, I suffered for it from the fan base about the name change in Washington. You know, I wrote my first column about it in two thousand five. I thought it should have been done. Obviously, it happened. Um, were you surprised? And and were, were was Roger Goodell and Dan Snyder basically forced into that? Into the Washington football team. I just, yes. It was, it was, as you know, it was long past the time. Yeah. And I think that when there were other people within the organization, they, they never felt compelled. Like they felt they were doing research within groups. Right. That that it, they didn't feel like it was something that had to be done. And I, you know, I kept looking like to me, yeah, it feels like it should be done. Feels like yeah. it's time. Feels like it's past time. Um, and they just never saw the need to do it. And I think finally, and it took long enough, they got with the times. How does Dan Snyder survive, especially um, especially after it happened with uh, Carolina's owner several years ago with the sexual assault allegations and everything that's happened with that franchise? How does he somehow, and now he seems to have brokered a deal for, right. for a loan that's going to buy all his other owners out. I think it's it's one of the great survival stories in modern professional sports. I mean, it's to me, it's more impressive than Matt Millen surviving all those years as GM in Detroit. Well, he, he, Dan is determined. He loves that team and he's determined to hold on to it. Uh, it's his identity. Not, You're right. 
I mean that that it's 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 what it what he does and who he is. Um, and somebody said, "Oh, is he going to sell?" I, I, you know, he's not going to willingly sell. That's for sure, right? No. And so, uh, as you see, he's buying more and more shares of the team, more and more of a controlling interest. Uh, let, let's see what happens with the report when it comes out this summer. Uh, let's see how damning it is. Let's see who it implicates. Let's see what's in there, uh, and then and then we can have a little bit more of an educated discussion about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, a couple of the more football questions. Tom Brady, compare him to Michael Jordan, and who is higher in the goat pecking order in your estimation? Well, I, I never stopped it. Michael Jordan won six championships. Is that right? Correct. And Brady's won seven now. Seven, and he's and he's been to God knows how many eleven or something. You know, I, I think that um, I think what I would say is. Michael Jordan was more gifted athletically. Oh, I would have loved to have seen his, his draft combine workout. Michael Jordan was more gifted athletically. I don't know if that's saying much, but you know, the, there's something about Tom, what he's done. I, I think it's tougher for him to do it in a sport where there are 53 men on the roster, where there's um, a salary cap. Uh, where he's done it into his 40s. Like what he's done in certain ways is more impressive than what Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan was more gifted and is the greatest basketball player I think that we've ever seen and was so clutch and and, and was such a competitor. God, yeah. cutthroat. Um, so they're, they're different. But so is Brady. I think that's one thing they have in common. They have a killer instinct like few, you know, few people. I mean, it, their competitiveness. I always worry about like talk about Jordan after basketball. I always worry about Brady after football. Like what, how can you replace that, that innate, I'm going to beat your ass no matter what. And I'm going to find a way and I don't care how old I am and how much I have to give up uh, diet wise and everything else. Like it's just to me, he, there's nobody that loves to win as much as those two guys. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know what Tom will do after football. Maybe he'll just continue to play football until he's 86, but I, you know, I did, <laughs> on NFL live the other day that, you know, I remember talking to you one time and we were talking about, you know, what's next. And I'm like, are you near the end, you know, your career? This was last year. When it was about yeah. to come. And, and he said, he said to me, again, I, I, I never, he goes, Adam, I dream of throwing the football. I'm like, you dream. Mm. I, I dream of other things, Mike. <laughs> Tom Brady dreams about throwing the football, right? <laughs> I dream about, other things <laughs> yeah. about the, a fishing cabin on a lake you know <laughs> like i mean that's that's insane i dream i dream about getting an emmy nomination one day you know i dream about that one day oh it'll happen it'll happen i mean you just do i i won two and but it was at the regional level just oh, just get just get a just get a job at, at, at a regional uh, do do some moonlighting and you can do get one really quick it's really easy i can give you one of mine not even a no. no I, I'm, not even, I'm not talking about winning the award. I'm just talking about getting a nomination. Oh, I mean, a nomination. Okay. I, I've never been nominated. Yeah. No, I didn't. All right. I, okay. I'm not. Whoops. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Uh, oh, how do you think Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers is going to end? How is that tension going to go away? It just I, seems. You know, I think it, it, I, I know well, that hurt feelings in professional sports uh, can be overrated and overreported, but I think he's genuinely wounded. Oh, oh no, he's 
absolutely that. I mean, you, you would know better than anybody. Uh, again, if it were so simple to fix, why wouldn't it be fixed by now? Yeah. They've spent the off season addressing this, trying to fix yeah. it, not fixed. So we'll see what happens and where it goes, but uh, it's an issue. That, that That's what I do know. It's an issue. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. All right. And then lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about um, a book that you wrote about three years ago. Um, and I, I, I read it and I, I was really moved by a lot of it. Um, it, it uh, it's essentially called The Man I Never Met. Um, as people who know you know, but not everybody who's listening to this knows, uh, you married a 9-11 widow, a wonderful woman who you've been with. And but you've as I mean, I could imagine like, you know, you're, you're, mar you're marrying a woman who you're always going to be living with a ghost in some ways. And yet you come to embrace this in ways that I think is just so admirable and so uh, not even noble, but just the kind it's 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 taking a situation and and almost embracing it as opposed to running away from it. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, listen. Um, my wife lost her husband, Joe Mayo, on September 11th. And there are a lot of people that lost a lot of people that day. My parents lost their best friend. One of my mm. friends lost his dad. Uh, there were guys I knew at college who died that day. And I think it's hard to be on the East Coast, especially in the New York metropolitan area, and not know somebody who lost their life that day or know somebody who knew somebody who lost their life that day. Mm. And again, it, I had direct impact. Uh, direct connections to people who lost their lives. And then I met my wife who obviously had a huge loss mm. uh, that day. And so when you step into that world and she's got at that point, when we met a six-year-old son, um, to me, there's, there is no other way to do it, but to embrace it and make that a part of your life. And so when, you know, we got together and we got married, um, I didn't have, one set of in-laws, I had two sets of in-laws. I had her parents and Joe's parents. And, you know, Joe was the biological father of, of our son. Um, but he's, unfortunately, he's not here. So um, I am Devin's dad, right? Like, I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so we, we built a life and, and we moved into the house that they bought together. Um, that, you know, they had been in the house for six weeks when he lost his life. So... Uh, I didn't want to, you know, um, how do I say this? Dislodge her, disrupt her, uh, force her from the life that she had. Mm. No, And so I, I tried to accept and embrace as much of that as she wanted to, as she wanted to, you know, she wanted to move and start a new, okay, then that's what we would have done. I, I don't, I, I'm fine living anywhere. Mm. Uh, if she, you know, and so Devin, still has his dad's last name, Devin Mayo. Uh, it's never been important to me that he carries my last name. I mean, you know, that out of respect to his father, his father's family. So that's really, and, and, and it's confusing for my wife because sometimes she's Sherry Mayo and sometimes she's Sherry mm -hmm. Sheff, right? Like, right. and it just depends on the situation. I, I don't even know that she knows exactly what she is. So <laughs> it, it, it's obviously an unusual set of dynamics, um, but it's one that I've, I've tried to fit my life into theirs rather than having them try to fit their lives into mine. Yeah. Well, it was, with the 20th anniversary coming up, um, I 
can't say, I'm sure your, your week will be filled and a lot of things will, a lot of emotions will be swirling around, but um, you know, what a, what a blessing in hindsight from such a tragedy. And um, I am, I just, I, I, I had to tell you that and thank you for, thank you for being with us. Um, I, I know this wasn't, a, I, I wanted to end on a funny joke, but that was so good. I can't do it. <laughs> and listen, I appreciate you bringing it up and uh, you know, it's another way for people to remember Joe and for all the people that lost their lives that day. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Adam. That was dope. <laughs> I'd like to thank ESPN's Adam Schefter for joining the show this week. Shefty's a total class act, and we appreciate his time. Bruce Bernstein, it's almost time to say goodbye, so please hit us with the promos. Thank you, Mike. You know, Adam Schefter is one of the nicest guys in our business. My younger son, also named Adam, was in Michigan while I worked with Shefty. And while the two never met in person, the older Adam always asked about the younger Adam. So thanks again to Adam Schefter, uh, one of our favorites. Thanks also to our incredible editor, Kristen Woolley. And if you would, please check out all of our Pure Hoops Media shows, Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin. They're here every Wednesday, and their guest this week is college hoop expert Jeff Goodman, who has great perspective on the post-Coach K era at Duke, as well as the Celtics situation. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure drops on Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday, Mike, and of course, a new Mike Wise show with you every Monday. And if folks out there would like to hear some of our selected choice discussions from all of our shows, please subscribe to the Pure Hoops Media Quick Hitters. And we have many great video segments on our YouTube channel. So please go to YouTube and search for Pure Hoops Media. Mike. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, as you know, a lot of different sponsors joining the show uh, this week. Um, an oldie but goodie, Brill Cream. Yes, Brill Cream. A little dab will do ya. All right. Uh, if you're... Um, if you haven't got the COVID-19 vaccination, you suck. <laughs> Just all there is to it. If you have not been smart enough to get, I mean, when, when you were five and your mom said, you know, if you don't get the polio vaccine or the malaria vaccine, you might get a, or the measles vaccine, you might get a really paralyzing disease as a child. Did you tell her? Nah, nah, I don't think so. It's scaring me. The, 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 the government might be putting um, uh, photosynthesis into my, shut up, get the vaccine. If you're one of the most misguided souls who haven't gotten a vaccination, keep wearing the mask in public to protect yourselves and others. And really go get the shot. Keep your guard up and be smart. Till next time, aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.